You're listening to MHD Off the Record, South LA Highlights, where I, Siobhan Taylor, speak with local organizations, small businesses, and individuals doing amazing work in South LA. Here, we uplift and highlight their work while keeping you informed of the resources available in our community. On this episode, we speak with Corey Dantzler, Executive Director of the Al Wooten Jr. Youth Center, a nonprofit agency providing free after-school and low-cost summer programs for students in grades 3 through 12. They provide a safe and nurturing environment committed to good citizenship and academic excellence. Corey joined the Wooten Youth Center in December of 2022 after a career spanning some 30 years in youth center administration. He grew up in South LA and currently holds his BS in health and physical education from Cal Poly Pomona. Enjoy the show. Welcome, Corey Dantzler. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So it's a pleasure to have you here. Pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Because you are apparently, I just found this out a few (laughs) minutes ago from Felicia, Uh, who is our wonderful, wonderful producer who we we use her studio. mm -hmm. She told us that, uh, well, us, me, (laughs) that you are a legacy from your father who actually has been doing work in the community, um, working with young people, Mm -hmm. um, Lou Dantzler. Right. And that's amazing. That's amazing history all in itself. Because you've been in this game for 30 years. For a while now, yeah. yeah and yeah. so let's talk a little bit about that. So how did, I, usually I start with the organization, mm-hmm. but I want to mm-hmm. start with you first. Thank you. How did you get, yeah. well, you're born into it kind of, right? Well, it's funny Working with young it. people, yeah, working in the community. Because the first thing I was going to say, I was born with a Boys and Girls Club membership card in my hand, basically. <laughs> my, my dad started Challengers Boys and Girls Club back in 1968 with 12 kids in the back of a truck. And he was taking those kids to the park. He did that one summer. Then the next summer he had 24, next, next week he had 24 kids. And it just kind of, you know, he was kind of running a boys club at that time uh, out of the back of his truck and out of the front of the yard. Uh, I was only two years old when he started. My older brother and him would, would leave. And I was a little snotty nosed kids crying, you know, because his brother and dad were leaving. But uh, as he began to build up the organization, he received the building on 50th of Vermont, which was an abandoned Vaughn supermarket back in the late 60s after the Watts riots, the Vons Corporation deeded that building over to my dad for $1, and he turned it into what it is today. Uh, so when I was 14, my first job was at the Boys and Girls Club. Uh, and so that was like my first like work experience. I remember I was making about $3.50 an hour, and I was the richest kid on the block as far as I was concerned. <laughs> uh, but I grew my passion uh, to work with young people. Really, that was a foundation piece for me. And every summer, I would always come back and work. And then when I got into college, uh, my, my degree was in kinesiology and thought I was going to coach and teach. But when I graduated uh, from college, I wanted to be in an environment where I felt I was more needed. And and that was the Boys and Girls Club. So July 1, 1992, I started at Challengers and I and I was there until about 2018. So as initially as a program director, but then the untimely passing of my father, I, I assumed the duties and responsibilities as executive director uh, and did that for about 13 years and then uh yeah and and so that the so being on 50th of vermont was was working with young people was you know definitely life-changing for me and something that i continue to do even to this day i used to pass that uh boys and girls club every single day really so i went to manual arts high school okay yeah absolutely and then i would catch the bus to either my church or community coalition okay every day because i was a part of the youth program and community coalition okay so i would pass it all the time and i would always see it so it's a very um, 
I would say a, a, a monument pretty yes. much in South LA at this point because yeah. everyone knows that building. Absolutely, absolutely. And and I had the very you know great fortune of of seeing the building grow and you know my dad begin to buy up property and and now you know the club takes up the entire block. Yes, uh, and and is a is a really a beacon and a banner of of just what what it is to really make a difference in in, in youth lives there, uh, and it saves lives. You know, even even though you know we're not affiliated with it anymore in terms of our family, uh, you know, it it still is providing those services for for youth in the community. But I think that's the important part. Even though your family might not be affiliated with that exact space, you're affiliated with the work of it. Absolutely. So yeah. So you know, I know that you know my dad laid the foundation, and I was able to make sure that foundation stayed strong and continue to, like you said, leave a legacy there as well. So, you know, like you said, if anybody knows 50th in Vermont, they know Lou Dantzler, they know the work. And it was just an honor for me to be able to work with him for the time that I did and also lead the organization for the time that I did as well. And now you're leading another organization, another, yeah, another legacy yeah, organization. Yeah. So, so it was, you know, it was, it was really fitting in terms of just kind of that whole story. Uh, after I left Challengers in 2018, I started to do some other work up in the Antelope Valley area with the Boys and Girls Club up there. And, you know, I, th- I think, you know, after the untimely passing of my wife, I really just felt more like I needed to connect more back with the community where I came from and just really just be in a leadership role. And um, I saw the opportunity and uh, contacted them. And I was familiar with Al Wooten uh, in terms of the center and the work in the community, uh, but just wasn't, you know, just didn't know how, you know, how much it had grown in the services. Uh, and so I applied. Uh, Naomi McSwain, who was the uh, executive director at that time, and also she's a family, her aunt was uh, Auntie Faye Rump, who started the organization. So she had that that family connection as well. So when we immediately talked, you know, we were sharing things that, you know, we only, only, you know, you would know from being a child or being a relative of a founder and what that was like. Uh, so it was immediate connection in terms of just me understanding the work and understanding, you know, although uh, she was transitioning out, how difficult it was for her because, you know, she helped build the organization. Uh, and she was literally, you know, like she told me, I'm passing my baby on to you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I completely get that and understand that, you know, that's definitely nothing to take lightly. But my passion for the South LA community, uh, my passion for working with youth and just really just making a difference and saving lives was was the reason why I was drawn to this organization. I love that. It's saving lives, but you also understood it from, I would say, from a very important perspective. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is the key. Yeah. And the key of this organization, Al Wooten Junior Youth Center, and it what struck a chord with me is the reason why it was founded. Mm-hmm. And can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, it came out of an unfortunate tragedy. You know, um, Faye Rump, son, Al Wooten, uh, was killed in, uh, in a drive-by sh- shooting. He was not gang-affiliated. He was a victim of a initiation uh, of, of gang violence uh, to, you know, kind of kill an innocent person. And I think from that, you know, um, I've never lost a child, but I, I can't even imagine the the pain in that much, be especially something senseless and, and completely 
completely could have been uh, unavoidable. And I think that was Faye's uh, really passion for doing this center is providing uh, a place for youth to be. I think from what I from what I was shared what was shared with me, the center came out of you know just her feeling like if there was a place where youth could be that was safe, this probably would have never happened to my son. To my son and the the perpetrators who did this, you know, horrific crime, maybe they would have had some place to be as well. Uh, and so that was her foundation for that. And and what an amazing woman that could could do something like that out of that hurt and pain from that. Especially at a time now, this ha- uh, happened in 1990. Yeah, and let's 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 take it back to that time period. We're talking about. The heels of the crack epidemic, Mm -hmm. which really ravaged South L.A. And you're talking about also the height of so many, um, we'll say, approaches Mm -hmm. to addressing it Mm -hmm. that were looking at, uh, for example, the 1992 crime bill came out a couple years after that. Right. right? right. So many approaches that were looking at criminal justice mm-hmm. and we're looking at how do we lock people up? How do mm-hmm. we find ways to criminalize more young people right. versus helping young people? Absolutely. Now this is a woman who just lost her son to that. Mm-hmm. And her approach wasn't let's criminalize them more. Right. In fact, she thought that was more problematic. Right. And from what I was shared with me as well, there was a coalition of people who were ready on her behalf to retaliate. And she put an end to that immediately uh, from what was shared with me. This discussion about retaliation was happening at her house by young men who, you know, was very passionate about that. And, you know, she went in immediately and just yelled, no, like that is not we're not going to continue to perpetuate that. Right. I mean, you know, that's powerful. That's that's powerful. And, And it ended right then and there right then so and there. there 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 was not that part of it as well and so for me to really just kind of be a part of that is 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 humbling she is quoted as saying and this is something i thought was super powerful because this is at the very foundation of mm-hmm. the organization and she says or said what they need is love talking about these young mm-hmm. people that are in the streets right. that are like like the young people that killed her son mm-hmm. she said what they need is love and attention they need to stay busy. Mm-hmm. They need to have more confidence. They need to have their attitudes changed. But if somebody had taken more time with the person who killed my son, maybe my son would still be alive. Yeah. I mean, how powerful is that? At a time when people weren't saying these right. things. That's right. what that's what blows my mind. Because at that time, there were people who were coming out saying, we need more police. Mm-hmm. We need mm-hmm. more punishment. Mm-hmm. We need. And it was funny. I'm hearing those same sentiments yeah. right, right now. Because yeah. we're saying robberies on the rise. I'm, they're upset about changes to bail. Mm-hmm. I just watched a news story on CNN about what's happening in Oakland. Mm-hmm. Literally just watched that. Yeah. And the NAACP even came out, sadly, mm-hmm. saying that the problem is they said defund the police. That's right. why we have more crime. Right. And mind you, they didn't defund the police over there. So I don't know why <laughs> right. this person would say that. Right. But, you know, they're, they're saying those things now. And she's saying this back then when we were at the height. The Absolutely. crime was at the highest at that time. I mean, people like her and even my dad, the vision that they had for the community and, and the problem solving that they, you know, discussed and talked about 
what seemed very symptomatic in terms of just they weren't these, you know, road scholars who who did all this research. They were speaking from their heart and they were speaking from just what they what they know. My dad would always say things like, you know, if we can provide a, a place for kids to go, if we could provide, you know, facilities, you know, uh, we would always have these very positive things happening and no one would come out to really support it and be on the news of what these great kids are doing. But if there was a shooting down the street, you know, police and news and everything would be everywhere. Just really, you know, glorifying that it's like, let's glorify the things that are happening positive in the community as opposed to, you know, the negativity, but those types of statements from, from her and, and what I, what I saw and from other people as well is really, you know, the cornerstone of, of people really just trying to make a difference in the community. And not just saying it, creating right. an organization right. at that where that sentiment is at the heart of it. Right. And now you're a part of that. I mean, you grew up in the, yeah. that sort of thinking. And yeah. so this was actually a perfect match for you. It really was. And 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 some of the irony behind it is, so when, when Faye decided that she was going to do this, and it was in the early 90s, you know, I think her and Naomi McSwain, her, her niece, decided to see what else was out in the community and, you know, to kind of have a good thing. One of the places where they went was Challengers and met with my dad. And and he shared with them, you know, what he was able to do and 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 you know, there was no there was no secret formula. There was no like I'm not going his his thing was like if we can create these types of organizations on every corner in this community, you know, what would it what would it be? What would it look like? So he always shared and then you fast forward years later. When we were going through our expansion, Naomi and her husband came to Challengers because they wanted to see, and I met with them. I don't remember it, but she did. And she said, you know, you came in, you had open arms. So it was just all these little connections and things that just really lined up for me uh, that really showed me like this, this is definitely where I want to be. Uh, I love the community. I love our staff, uh, our parents, our kids. Uh, you know, for me, that was when I met, when I met the parents and I met the staff, I was so. I love it. Yeah. And let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. How would you say even the attitudes of the staff mm -hmm. in working with the young people? Like, how do you train them when they come in yeah. to work with you? Because I know sometimes people, I've worked in, I used to run after school programs, <laughs> Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Okay. I ran a program in Watts. Okay. And I've had to train people multiple times. So that's a program manager. I have to train sometimes my volunteers mm -hmm. even. They, you know, the mm -hmm. hearts might be in the right place. But sometimes when they're coming in and you're working with populations that you know, sometimes they can be a challenge for people who aren't used right, to our communities. Right, right. You know, and sometimes they their approach might not always be mm -hmm, the best. Mm -hmm. But you need to, but you need them to understand you're dealing with a traumatized community. Yeah. So yeah. how do you how do what is your approach to training your staff to make sure that they know? Or I'm sure, but you kind of came in with staff that's probably right. already trained. They were there, yeah. But what is the approach I, I in think, working with? Them? I think it's really you know the selection process. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I I've always kind of come from the you know hire slow and fire fast kind of mentality. Um, um, you know, a lot of it is just a, that gut is sink the the hairs on the back of your neck. If 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 there's something there, especially working with the kids, I can immediately talk to somebody and go, yeah, they'll work. They'll be a good fit. Or, hmm, I'm not quite sure, you know. So a lot of it is just that gut instinct. And also looking at some of their experiences and seeing how similar it is, you know, to line up with what we're doing. You mm. know, do they understand the community? Have they worked in the community? You know, what are some of their goals and aspirations as well? I can say for the staff that are that is there that 
I think the number one thing that separates them is, is you can you can see and feel in their heart that they have a genuine genuine passion for helping youth in education, helping them with you know all the types of college goals and providing them with some of those work experiences and really exposing them to some really you know great programs and activities. And so uh, the staff there is great. I mean, you can have the best building in the world, but if you don't have the people in there that you know I always say kids vote with their feet, right? So you know. <laughs> <laughs> if they're not coming, if they're not walking your way, then then you know you gotta you gotta figure out how to make your program and your building attractive to where you know kids and families feel safe. There's activities going on because unfortunately, outside of our community centers and boys and girls clubs and youth facilities, we know what's going on out in the streets. So we need to provide a different alternative when they come inside. And that was mm. the thing that I liked about working at the club. It's like, hey, we know we know where we're located. We know what gangs rival and borders and so on and so forth. But when you come to our facility, you can leave all that outside and you can be a kid because that's what it's about. We want you to be able to not have that fear of somebody coming to you or approaching you in a negative way. And so that's why, you know, at the Wooten Center, that's that's there. That is there 100 percent. And we're not about the foolishness. So and we have staff and people that will work directly with you. And I think the other thing that separates that, too, is that how we work with the families as well. I always talk about my drive by parents. You know, they come by, they drive by, drop the kids off and keep going. They don't know what's going on inside Mm -hmm. the facilities. If you're open, if you're closed, who's in there? But this organization welcomes parents and families in to see, say, we need you to be a part of the growth and development of of your children. You know, we want to do this together in partnership. So if you're having problems with your son or daughter behavioral wise or academically in school we will also go to your school your son or daughter school and act as you know a liaison to be able to help kind of bridge the gap of course now with the pandemic we're having some more challenges with that about our staff kind of getting on campus but those are some of the things that we that we want to implement and do in order to be supportive to families yeah i love that there are so many things you said that i want to highlight (laughs) because you said a lot that i thought was really amazing um, I want to hit this last thing you just said, but before mm-hmm. I get there, mm-hmm. there was something you said that really touched me. And that was, you pointed out, you said that the kids will let you know, you kind of, in a way you said they basically vote with their feet. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I think that's important is because a lot of times I've, and I've worked with many people and I've talked to many people, a lot of times they'll blame the people that they're serving mm-hmm. and not addressing the fact that maybe our services need to be readjusted. Right. And you pointed out, you said, you, you said, look, if the kids aren't going, we know that there's a problem. We mm-hmm. have to make some changes yeah, yeah. versus the problem with these kids. These kids don't want, they don't want help. They don't want, you know, and right. I'm sure you've heard those. Oh people. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, and yeah. You, but I like that. I like your approach. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that, that, you know, visually I, I, I say, you know, these organizations are like a mall, right? So in a mall, you have these big, this humongous building, but in malls you have shops. And if your shop is not attractive, if you don't have the right things that are enticing people to come in, then they're just going to walk right past. So same thing with the organization. If you run the arts department, if you run the sports department within the facility, and if you're not making it attractive, nobody's going to come to your store. So, you know, and then we talk to our customers. We, you know, mm-hmm. our, we, we you get the feedback, we get the feedback, but we also get the input because, you know, adults, we always think we know. The answers, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. The kids want to do this. They'll have fun. Well, sometimes we've got to stop and ask the kids if that's what they want, you know, because we may not ask them. And we may think like, oh, we got this great STEM program. We're going to shoot rockets up in the air. And the kid's like, yeah, you know, I'm more interested in drones. 
Oh, okay. So, you know, we get that, we get that, that, that feedback and we get that, you know, initial thing to be able to say, this is your program. If you weren't here, we wouldn't be here. So we want to make sure that it's attractive for you. And so that's why we need those parents involved as well, you know, to let us know what's going on uh, and to really just kind of work together. I remember being a kid, if, you know, a, a teacher was going to call my parents at home, oh, shut it down. Like, I'm I'm, I'm listening. When the phone rings, I'm, I'm like saying my prayers, right? <laughs> <laughs> but we want to kind of get back to that that type of partnership with schools and with parents as well and, and with the kids. Because once the kids know... Oh man, they're talking to mom, they're talking to dad, they're talking to, well, they, you know, so that's kind of the approach and, and things that we want to do. And so that was, which brings me to the other thing I wanted to talk about. I love that your organization goes beyond just academics. Mm-hmm. You And in fact, on your website, you point out, it said there's academic enrichment mm-hmm. and then there's also personal enrichment and there's family enrichment. Absolutely. And I think those elements is what kind of helps create a holistic program. Right. Because there are programs that'll, that'll just do tutoring and help with mm-hmm. academics. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. That's great, yeah. And that's fine. Right. I, but I also think when you only have that, you're only going to get a certain set of kids. Right. You're only, you're only going to get a certain set of families. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those are, are going to be families who are probably going to do okay anyway. Right. Not, not to say that those programs aren't needed, just mm-hmm. they're still very much needed. But at the same time, we can st- we end up missing out on the other kids that need a little extra. I agree. And so I think with what you're doing, you're saying, hey, let's make sure we don't miss those kids right. that would be in the streets if mm-hmm. we don't have this extra, if we don't bring their families in, right. we don't support their families. Yeah. And this is the organization during the pandemic that created a family fund uh, for for families as well who were struggling, and so they were helping out with rent. They were helping out with car insurance payments. They were helping out with giving just basic needs, food, uh, and and being able to provide that. Uh, and so that that was another kind of attractive thing for me. That you know, it's it's great. We want to help the kids, but we also understand that if the family isn't right, then the child can't be right as well Mm. uh, with basic needs. And we still, you know, fortunately, we got some funding uh, from a board member who who said, look, if you need help parents, let's make sure they get support and make sure they get help. Uh, And so that's the kind of organization I want to hitch myself up against and with to be able to support that because it is truly a good sense of community and, 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 and how to help. I love that. And your organization has a plethora of different activities from tutoring to gardening Mm. to tech workshops to college prep, which are all academically enriching. Mm. But you also have personal enrichment programs where young people can talk about things that impact them, like bullying Mm. and human trafficking and even knowing your legal rights. Yeah. Like. I, I, that blew my mind when I saw that. I was like, "Your legal rights, like, yeah, yeah. that's." That, but those are things that our young people need, right? And and the program with that is a very excellent program. It's through the Juvenile Justice Program, and basically, it's a program teaching our youth how to interact with law enforcement. What are their rights? What should they do? Now, this program is not being ran by someone like me. This is someone we we have people who are attorneys uh, who come from uh, you know the the uh, youth uh, delinquent juvenile delinquents office and things like that, and police as well, 
who I saw was an FBI person, FBI that person in. running these running these programs, and it's very visual. So the kids see an image, and a question comes up. You know, a policeman walks up to you and says, "You know, give me your ID. What do you do? A, B, C, or D? Do you run? Do you say this? Do you say?" And, and so it's interesting some of the you know some of the answers that the kids actually have, and then you know they're actually being taught like, "No, here's your rights. Here's what you you know can do, and here's 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 what you should be able to do in order to get your home yourself yourself home." safely. So, you know, and it's, and, you know, it's very interactive. It can be very emotional as well uh, because, you know, some of, some of these questions are kind of bringing out trauma from the kids as well. And, you know, they've, they've had these experiences and now they're saying, I hear what you're saying, but here's was, here's was my, you know, experience. It was nothing like that, you know? And so we're trying to get them to understand that this is how it should be and, and really provide them that support. Yeah, I was just about to ask how many of our young people have already had interactions with the police and did things the way they were supposed to and still had a negative situation like, yeah. occur. Yeah, plenty, plenty of that. And, uh, you know, it's it's hard for them sometimes even open up and share. But then sometimes when, you know, a lot of times when they're in that environment with us, they're, they just they put it all out there and, and it can be overwhelming. Well, if anything, I would say that's a positive thing in that they felt safe enough to share that. Because when young people don't feel safe, they lock it all up. They won't talk to you at all. At all. Nothing's coming out. So it sounds like you're doing something right. Yeah, I think we are. But I think a lot of that does have to do with the, our staff and people that are in place that can make those connections with those with the kids as well. Because I'm an old guy now, right? I, You're not old. <laughs> You're youthful. <laughs> Thank you. But in terms of just their comfort, comfort and, and being able to talk to, you know, our staff and, and others and, and for us to share as well, you know, so that that's been important, too. Why is it so important? And I want to hear from just you personally, but mm-hmm. also from your organization perspective. Why is it so important that you go beyond mm-hmm. just the academics, that you go beyond just activities mm-hmm. and that you really take on enriching them so personally? I, for for me personally, I think it's just really a matter of being able to connect with them first on a much different level. I think the more and more that I have conversations with our youth, the more and more that there's a lot of things there in their lives that are similar to me as well. I had a young man who, you know, recently lost, you know, his dad or or his mom. And he's, you know, trying to work through that. And as, you know, as a 10, 11 year old kid, and I lost my dad, you know, when I was in my 40s. And but the things that he talked about or felt, I res- it resonated with me, and there's a almost a three decade year span of that, uh, and so to be able to get to know him on that level and understand what that is opens up so many possibilities as we jump into the meat and potatoes of just you know education and things like that. We've kind of broken down that that barrier, and I think that's why it's important for us to connect with kids at a different level. Like you said, yeah, the math and the reading, and we all know that's important. The SAT prep or or the college prep or you know college readiness, and those all are great. But you know, kids don't care you know how much you know until they know how much you care, right? So that's that's something that's always kind of been with me. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. You look cool and all, but. Once you know, like, hey, I can go to Mr. Corey and say, hey, man, I'm having a bad day or something like that. And we connect that way. So when it's time to say, hey, man, what's going on with your you know, school? It's like now now it's like, you know, it's a friend or someone like that asking me as opposed to someone trying to, you know, kind of talk down. 
Uh, so I think that's why, you know, some of those things are important and we have to lead with that that way that we can connect with our kids and our youth on a different level. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much for that. Wow. Um, you are also one of our Council District 8 Reimagine Fund community <laughs> grantees. Yeah. And so we would love to know how have these funds been able to support your work? Yeah, I mean, with those, without those types of uh, support and funding, you know, organizations can, you know, either make or break. And I think for for this particular organization, it really has helped us uh, in many ways in terms of supporting the programs and activities that we're doing here. But it also helps us become a little bit more attractive to other uh, uh, foundations and corporations as well. That says, hey. Your local council is is investing into your organization. We need need to take a look at that. Clearly, there's something happening here that we want to be a part of as well. And so, you know, although it, it it's you know helps with general operating and keeping the lights on and paying bills and all those are super important. But that that extra thing that it does is kind of like makes you a little bit more attractive to others as well. So when we list like who else supports and funds your organizations, when we can put things like that down. It just kind of it takes us to the next level. Uh, and this organization right now is is really like just almost peaking to the sweet spot of what that looks like. I mean, we're, we're talking, you know, big foundations that are in L.A. that typically, you know, maybe fund, you know, very large organizations that are interested in the Owl Union Youth Center. And all of it has to do with, you know, getting those types of opportunities and really making them, you know, more lucrative for us as well. I love that. I, you know, that's the first time I've gotten an answer like that because <laughs> I didn't. I, that's something I didn't even. I didn't oh, even yeah. think of that. Oh, so yeah. it actually makes it so now other big funders. Because even after this grant, because mm-hmm. you know this is one grant, and right. hopefully, and hopefully people can see the benefit of this, and we can continue to do this. Absolutely. But you know, this also gives you an opportunity to get more grants from other funders, mm-hmm. um, in addition to ours. Yeah. So this is great. Yeah, I love I mean, that. It's it sets a good model for what that looks like. You know, so we can duplicate. What you know? What made it successful with getting you know that particular grant uh, from the councilman's office, and then be able to mirror that maybe with you know another foundation or organizational corporation as well. So you know, it sets a, it sets a great precedence for what we what we want to do in the community. I love that. And if people want to support or get involved in some way, how can they do that? Well, first, just go to our website, which is www.wootencenter.org. has all of our information there. We need volunteers. We need people to help uh, tutor our kids. And if you can't tutor in person, you can do it virtually as well. Uh, you know, we need, you know, positive role models. If some if people are interested in providing an, an opportunity in terms of a program, an activity, please contact my My contact information is on the website as well. Uh, uh, to be able to say we want to support what's happening on the corner of 91st and Western and and being able to really just provide these kids with hope. And as I said in the beginning, it's all about saving lives at the end of the day. Awesome. Do you have any events coming up that people can participate in? We are getting ready to start our fall programming. So if uh, parents and families are looking for after school opportunities uh, for, for their youth from grades three to 12, uh, you know, feel free to, you know, sign them up. It's only a $30 family fee. Uh, all the other app 
opportunities are, are at no cost. Uh, we do are going to be starting a transportation program where we're picking up kids one way from school and providing that safe passage to the center. Uh, so, you know, all that information is on our website. Uh, and or, you know, if you just want a tour to come check us out, you know, just feel free to to stop by and say, hey, you know, want to know more about, you know, your center and what you're doing for youth at Boys and Girls. And then uh, just just come on through and, and love you. And it's a very family type atmosphere. And we really, you know, really are, are happy with what we've been able to do. Well, thank you so much, Corey Dansler, for joining us. And I really love the work that you're doing. And I'm so grateful that someone like you is continuing the legacy of both your father and of the Al Wooten Junior Youth Center. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to MHD Off the Record. And special thank you to Felicia, the poetess Morris of Morris Media Studios in Lamert Park. For more information, please visit MHDCD8.com and follow at MHDCD8 on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Don't forget to rate us five stars, subscribe, and share with a friend.